4, uh, verses 1 through 17. That's when you find that to stand in God's honor as I read from the Scripture. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, turned it back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous, like snow. Put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored, like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? (laughs) Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. But Moses said, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us, even when we mess up. As we look at this call to Moses, he may have been the most humble, meekest man in the world. But he messed up sometimes, Lord. I guess in some way that's an encouragement to us because we know what we're like, and so do you. I pray tonight as we look at uh, this account that you might speak to our hearts, Father, that we might see the turning points and the signs that you provide in those chances to exercise our faith. Guide us in this time, Lord, and help me, Father, to speak as you want me to, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, We're called to live or walk by faith, not by sight. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing when God's people are walking in love and unity and care about being servants for the kingdom of God. It's an awesome thing to enjoy that with God's people. It is also heartbreaking when God's people lose sight of why they're here. 
And you know, the crazy thing about it is, I was thinking in the years that I've been a pastor, and I've heard about churches getting mad at one another, having fights, there being trouble in church. It was always about something that was minor. Something that didn't matter. I remember one church I was in. uh, They got mad because somebody wanted to change the outside door that you come in the sanctuary. And I thought, is this really worth fighting about? Another place I was in, they got in an argument because some people thought the ushers should dress up in suits and ties. and Some people thought you shouldn't have to dress up and... Yes, God was happy they were there. But there were those kind of issues. And this is what happens. You know, we're going to fill our hearts and our voids when they're empty. And God wants us to fill that empty place with himself. He wants us to have a heart that loves him, that loves one another, that loves people who aren't a part of his family that need to know that love. And, 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 and that's, to, that's to be the passion. And oftentimes he calls us to do something. We're just afraid. God, what happens if I mess up? What happens if I screw everything up? <laughs> I'll never forget uh, Steve Brown, uh, one of his books. He had this uh, in his church. He was a pastor at the time. And they had this huge project uh, that was about to happen. And he was terrified that he was going to mess it all up. That um, he he would just destroy it all, and so uh, he talked to a friend of his. And he said, I, "I've worried about this. I've lost sleep, and and I love the response of his friend." He said, "Steve, he said God is faithful. If you serve Him, and I know you've worked hard, He will honor it. And if God was going to let anybody down, He'd start with somebody a little more important, maybe like Billy Graham. Certainly not with a peon like you." So I kind of got a kick out of that. How sometimes we put too much significance on ourselves. Um, But as we look at this section of Scripture, I want you to see that there are three turning points, three signs that speak of God and His his love and His passion. The first one involves a shepherd's staff. Uh, Look here in verse 2. He says, The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, turned it back into a staff in his hand. Moses had that staff, and of course he used it in order to care for the sheep because he was a shepherd. And what is significant about this staff is that's what Moses had in his hand. It wasn't actually the significance of the staff. God looked at what he had, and he said, I want you to use this, and I want you to trust me by faith with what you have. Too often we worry about what we don't have to serve God. If only we had this, we could be faithful. And if only we had this, God could do such powerful 
powerful things. But the truth of the matter is, God doesn't just merely use what we don't have. He uses what we do have. He uses what we are willing to let him work in our lives and, and in, in our hearts. And what he's given us, he's, he's given it to us for a reason. And he takes what is little. Remember when they had the, the, the fish and the, the loaves of bread and they were split and there was so much left over. And God just blessed and honored that and um, worked in such a powerful manner. And, and how that was such a how that was such a blessing. He took that little and he expanded it as God moved and, and worked through that little and made a lot. And, and so he wants us to use what he has given us. And notice when he threw it down, it became a snake, and then God said, Pick it back up. And God was making a point, you can trust me with what little you have, that I will use it. To make a difference and to impact lives that I will be at work. God wasn't surprised that that staff turned into a snake. God's in perfect control. There's never a, a time in scripture where it says that God got caught by surprise. Second Corinthians 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward them. The, the picture there is God's looking. He's looking for people who have an available heart. He's not looking for perfect people. There's nobody out there like that. That's Jesus. But he's looking for people who are available. Who are willing to take that little bit that they have and use it for God's purposes. Who are not just constantly filled with doubt and asking questions, but who are available and who are ready to be used by God. Um, sometimes we're a lot like that little boy who asked his mother, Why do you always answer a question with a question? The little boy said, Do I do that? And and sometimes that, that's how we are. Now you think about Moses and his account. Remember Moses, he saw the mistreatment of the people and he was upset. But instead of though being in prayer and going about it God's way, he took matters into his own hands. And he went to solve and fix the problem and before God's call, before God's leadership. And of course, the result of that was devastating. Um, in Exodus two fourteen through 15, it says... They found out that he had he had killed a man in, in a rage who was beating the he, a Hebrew slave. And the man answered, Who put you in charge of us and made you our judge? Are you planning to kill me just as you killed that Egyptian? It says, This frightened Moses because he was sure the people must have found out what had happened. When the king heard what Moses had done, the king wanted to kill him. But Moses escaped and went into the land of of Midian. Moses had grown impatient. It wasn't that he he wanted the wrong thing. He wanted his people free. But he decided to take matters into his own hands instead of following God's leadership. It caused a problem. Second truth is there. Sometimes we retreat after we had failed. What did he do? He ran out of fear. He feared for his life. 
And he ended up uh, 40 years in the desert as he was going to school to learn to trust God. He had taken matters in his own hand. Now it was time to go to the school of learning to trust God, to take care of him and lead him and guide him. And, of course, we knew that that took a long time as he would take off at 80 to be used. And then third, we resist when we are called. He calls us to be obedient, to love him and and to serve him with that kind of a heart. Remember in the Gospels when it said that there was this paralytic, this paralyzed man, and he, he was on a mat, and the crowd was so big that they couldn't figure out how to get him to Jesus. So they ended up going up the back stairs up on the roof and putting a hole in the roof. Man, I mean, this is some pretty serious stuff. Why? Because they loved their friend, and they wanted to go to extremes because they wanted to take him to Jesus. And it says they lowered him down through the roof, Before Jesus. And Jesus was impressed by their faith. And by their longing desire. To get that man into the presence. Of Jesus Christ. They didn't just stop when there were some barriers. Um, The Pharisees didn't like it. Jesus looked at them. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what was in their heart. He saw right through their heart. And so his response to them was look at these their faith. Um, so we go back to the scripture here. Moses asked the Lord, "Suppose everyone refuses to listen to my message." He stepped out in that. He stepped out in that faith. That shepherd's staff was used to be a, a part of obedience, that thing that he had. Sometimes um, it doesn't take something big for God to use to do something big. Sometimes we're tired. Sometimes we think we don't have anything to give. But God is there and he's faithful. Uh, it was interesting. I read a story. I don't know if it's true or not. I said a couple of years ago in a really bad winter storm that they were in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado looking for those who might be trapped in the snowstorm. And a rescue team was in a helicopter, and they looked, and they saw this little cabin, and it was literally just about submerged in the snow. They could see that out of the chimney stack there was smoke coming out. So somebody had to be in that cabin. They couldn't get close to the cabin, so they had to park almost a mile away, the helicopter. And they got out and they walked and they got to the cabin. They managed to get to where they could knock on the door. And this frail, elderly mountain woman came to the door and they said, ma'am, it's the Red Cross. And she said, we've had a pretty rough winter. I'm afraid I can't give this year. You know, But they weren't coming to ask for something. They were coming to help her. They they, they were coming to give to her. Um, Next sign is the sign of the shepherd's hand. Look here in verses 6 and 7. It says, Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak and 
When he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. We think about the terrible health issues of a leper, you know, where, where they, they don't feel pain, and, and um, there's just all these terrible um, realities of, of leprosy, losing fingers and, and body parts. And, but there was also another pain, and, and it was the pain of being lonely. Because they were, they were considered um, to be dangerous. You know, you might catch leprosy. And so there were some that, that had a bell and they would have to ring it if they were within eyesight of anyone so that people would know, hey, there's lepers close by. It's not safe. They didn't have a bell and they were supposed to yell if they could see someone. Unclean! Unclean! That was what they were to yell out. Can you imagine what that would be like? You, you couldn't touch anybody. You couldn't get near anybody. I mean, how could you have relationships with someone? But, but Because there's that separation and there's that kind of pain. And so when Moses looked at his hand uh, and it was leprous, it must have terrified him and frightened him because he knew what that meant. Not only was it a, a health issue, it was an issue of loneliness. God said, put your hand back in the cloak. And we took it out. It was restored. And the picture here of the shepherd's hand is that our hands are to give. Our, our, our hands are to be used to bless others. Our, our hands are to be used to, to make a difference, to affirm someone, to pat them on the back, to write them a note, to prepare them a meal, to give them a handshake, uh, to provide a blessing, uh, to do good. For others. You see remember the parable of the talents. There was one guy who had ten talents. Another had five. And then there was the individual who had one talent. And the one with ten he doubled what he had. In faithfulness to the master. The guy with five doubled what he had. But the guy with the one he said. Hey I was afraid you're a hard man. And and you know I wouldn't be able to do this. And, and, and I'd be in big trouble. And it said that he. He said, you unfaithful servant, you wicked, unfaithful servant. And he took away that gift. And God's saying, hey, you know, don't worry. Don't, don't be filled with fear that you're not capable enough or you're not able. Use what you have for him. Be willing to make yourself available for him and see what he will do. Corey Ten Boom. Of course, the dear lady in the concentration camp of World War II who was there when her sister died in that camp and came out and God used to speak all over the world. She uh, said in one of her talks, God has no hands but ours. God does not ask about our ability or our inability, but our availability. It's not my ability, but my response to God's ability that counts. And then there's the sign of the shepherd's future. Notice uh, what he said here in verse 9. 
verses 8 and 9. He says, the Lord said, if they don't, do not believe you, pay attention to the first miraculous sign. They may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. These are some hard words as God gives an assignment to Moses. And as we think of Moses, this great man of God, he was filled with doubt. Did he simply go forth and obey the command? Nope. You know, it's interesting. Um, in John 14, Jesus says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him and show myself to him. So God reveals himself to us. He shows himself to us when we do what he asks. When we obey his commands. When we put into practice what he reveals to us. That's when God does that type of work. Um, Not when we argue with him. That's when we often miss his blessing. Look at his questions as he goes down through here. Moses said, Lord, hey, I've never been eloquent. I've not been a slick talker. Although it says in Acts 7, I think 22, that he was trained to be a public speaker. He didn't think so. Neither in the past nor since have you spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Look what the Lord said to him. Who who gave man his mouth? Who made him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight and makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? (laughs) Moses, I know what you can do. Don't worry about that. I'm calling you. I'll supply what you need if you just go. Moses, come on. So the Lord says, go. I'll help you speak. I'll teach you what to say. Then look what Moses says. He just says, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Not me, Lord. Someone else. Anybody else but not me. (laughs) And so the Lord said he was angry. He said, what about your brother? We'll get your brother and the two of you can work together. But that was not his first plan. That was not what he first intended to do. Moses has been much better off as the old song says, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You know, if you look at Moses' first 40 years on his resume, it would simply read, I was a shepherd in the desert. Then after 40 years of being in school in the desert, one day he came to a place and he heard it was holy ground to take off your shoes. And he saw a crazy sight, a bush that was on fire but was not burned up. And he walked up to that bush thinking, what in the world is going on? And he heard from God. Before he wanted to run he, he, he wanted to take it into his own hands. And then he became afraid and he wanted to run away. But after 40 years of learning to listen for God's voice, of being on the backside of the desert in the University of Hard Knocks, as he was able now to kind of hear and, and make out God's promptings as he was there, he heard his name, Moses, Moses. And he was like, here I am, Lord. He wasn't looking for plans. He wasn't thinking what to do next. He's saying, Lord, I'm here. 
Lord, I'm, I'm available. Lord, I hear your voice. Dwight L. Moody uh, phrased it this way. Moses spent his first 40 years thinking he was somebody. He spent his second 40 years learning he was a nobody. He spent his final 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. God doesn't need anybody, but he chooses you and me to follow him. It comes from a heart of obedience. It says that God's searching the earth and he's looking for people whose heart is looking for him as he'll work. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you, Father. You want to bless us, Lord. You want us to see your presence and your power and your beauty. And Lord, often we're not available. Our heart's not in the place you want it to be. And Father, you, you are a forgiving God that picks us up and gives us a new chance. But Father, may we search our hearts, Lord. May we not squander time with you. May we not out of fear make excuses, Lord. May you show us, Father, that you have a plan and you want us to play a role. Even if it seems insignificant, what does that matter? Our goal is simply to follow you. Whether we think it's big or small, that's not the question. The question is, what is it you want me to do? And so help us, Lord, to be honest, to ask those kind of questions. As it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, test everything, hold on to the good. Help us, Father, to come to you with a heart that's seeking you and hold on to what you want us to hold on to and let go of what you want us to let go of and to follow. Thank you for Moses, Lord. Um, and yet with all of his heart and all the great things he did, Lord. Um, he didn't get to enter the promised land with the people. I mean, obviously he's in the promised land with you. Thank you, Father, that even at those times where maybe we miss what could have been a spectacular blessing. You're the kind of God that has the greatest blessing waiting for us. Help us remember that. To walk with you. And to trust you from that confidence. So that the small things aren't missed when we realize that you hold for us the greatest blessings, Lord. We love you. We seek you. Father, just I pray you've spoken to us. What do you want of us, Lord? Whatever that is, help us see it. And may we just do it, Lord. In your name we pray.